Recovery on the Road is a podcast about people sharing their recovery experiences from drugs and alcohol, trauma, and grief. My name is Heidi. I'm an alcoholic. As a backdrop, this podcast is based on interviews while I'm on the road across America's national parks, from Acadia in Maine to Glacier in Montana, all the way over to the Everglades in Florida. My hope is that what is shared will benefit you in your recovery. Hi, this is Heidi, and thank you for listening to Recovery on the Road. I am in Butte, Montana, 721 Utah Avenue. I just attended a meeting, and it was wonderful. And I have with me here today a wonderful man who has volunteered to share with us his story on recovery. And if you could reintroduce yourself, I'd greatly appreciate it. Yeah, my last name, too? No, just oh, this. This is Mike, and uh, I'm an alcoholic. And I just wanted to mention we don't want to, um, we want to remain with the principles and not discuss, you know, just the, we'll just talk about the uh, 12-step program. So thank you. So tell us a little bit about what it was like when you were drinking. Well, when I first came in here, it was uh, it was put, it was uh, made made for me to do. My doctor told me I had diabetes and I couldn't drink anymore on my medication, <clears throat> and I'd had uh, like three DUIs and I went into treatment. But with those reasons there. Uh, Everything else had failed before, but with those reasons, I had to get in here, and uh, I couldn't get a job because I had uh, a doctor. I'd had a heart attack, and the doctor wouldn't let me release me. So I came down to the Alano Club here in Butte, and they, uh, alcoholics, a couple of them, they just uh, kept me down here busy so I didn't have to be out running around and drinking again or something. And uh, and I says, you know, how do how do you work this thing? And one of the people that had been in here for a while, he says, uh, work the steps and get a sponsor. I said, okay. <clears throat> so I uh, got a sponsor, and he was really good for a couple days. And I stopped uptown to see him, and he was drunk. Ooh. And I says, oh, my God, oh, my God. He says, you know, he says, I went out last night. He says, but he says, I'm not an alcoholic. And he says, neither are you. Oh, oh. I just about ripped the door off the hinges trying to get out of there. And uh, You ran fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and get down to the Alamo Club again and, and uh, Good for you. look for another sponsor. But... Uh, I had problems because I always think I wanted to run things my way. I think I thought I was just just a little beneath the higher power and uh, tried to save people, uh, let some of them stay at my house, and they stole my coin collection and my scanner and all that. And uh, this one guy, he was a priest, and he told me, he says, Mike, he says, you need to go to the other program, too. And I says, why? I 
says, I've been sober for like seven years. He says, yeah, but he says, you're a big enabler. And he says, you're trying to help other people. And he says, uh, you just, they're ripping you off and they're using you. And I thought, oh boy. You know, I thought, I believe this guy. He was a really nice guy. And so I thought, okay. And uh, so I, I kind of quit doing that. Because if I looked at it in the long term or look at it now, they would have drug me down with them for sure. Yeah because I had lots of problems with alcohol. I had to give up all my old buddies, my old friends. I tried going around them and uh, going to the bar and I'd drink Pepsi and pretty soon they'd all start drifting away. And I thought, whoa, you know, I, I made them uncomfortable. Uh, yes. And uh, so I thought, I wonder if I could get, you know, some beer and a Pepsi can and just rinse it out real good so I could hang around with them. <laughs> but, now, what uh, kind of thinking is that? It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty crazy. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I I was just told that you you can't do this, Mike. I mean, my higher power told me just, just as simple as can be. And I could hear his voice as clear as a bell. Mike, you just can't do this anymore. I thought, wow, wow. And uh, there are some other experiences with the higher power too, but um, my first, one of my first meetings was in Missoula after I got out of treatment. Now, Missoula is almost up into Glacier Park, right? It's over that way, yeah. Yeah, 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 a little west of us. Yeah. But anyway, I went to the meeting and I thought I better work on this and there was nothing but a bunch of old guys there, <laughs> and I thought, oh my God. And there was no president, no boss, no, 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 nothing. Isn't that amazing? And I thought, oh my God, this thing can't last very long. I said, I'll give it a couple of years maybe, you know, but there's just not enough order here. And uh, I, I even thought, oh, I wonder if they'll pass, give us a cup of coffee and and we'll all drink it and go to sleep like uh like the oh um, the jim jones like Ooh. the jones crew. Yeah. yeah 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 and uh but anyway they made me feel so uncomfortable and i didn't feel comfortable around them i couldn't relax so i kind of quit going to that meeting but then again i had to start going again after i got out of missoula and got back into butte Butte was a really bad, and still is, a bad drinking town. You know, it just it was the old mines and stuff like that. And uh, when I, where I was growing up in what they called Fintown, uh, they, uh, it, it was all nothing but a bunch of drinkers up there, and I thought it was a natural way to live. I mean, my mom did it, my dad did it. Do you mean the Fintown as in Finnish mm -hmm. people? I'm Finnish. Oh, yeah. Mita. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't speak Finnish, mm -hmm. but yes, I'm, um, my dad and his, that side of the family is Finnish. Oh. Well, anyway, uh, there was five bars on that block. Oh. And there was another block up, there was another bar. And that, that's all I saw as a little kid was drinking. And, uh, you know, the old miners and stuff like that, they all... After they got off shift, they had to go, oh, let's go get a beer, you know, and, yeah. and uh, they all did that. And I, I did it too, but 
and I'd stay too long sometimes <laughs> and uh, wouldn't wouldn't make the next day work and it was a ideal job for me at that time because if you didn't miss more than three days you kept your job oh all right so I could, so it was run by yeah. one of us yeah <laughs> so I could party for a few days anytime and and then still go back and have a job and if I lost my job I could get another one the next day you yeah, know the yeah. way the, the mines were and uh, anyway I thought I, I left Butte and and I worked different jobs you know I like I say I went to uh, Boston for a while I was in Rapid City South Dakota and uh, Seattle Los Angeles now did did you remain sober? I mean, you you paid attention to your recovery? Or mm -hmm. was this during your drinking? No, I was, for the most part, I was trying to stay sober. That's why I kind of moved around. And I'd come back to Butte and I'd start drinking again. So I thought, I can't go back there. But I'd had some sobriety and stuff uh, a little bit. And, and I came back and I thought, why would I want to leave here? You know, I've been to... Uh, Oregon, worked in Eugene, and tried to drive from Seattle down to Tacoma. Oh my God, bumper to bumper traffic, and uh, just just scarier than hell. Yeah. So uh, I thought I don't want I don't want to live like this. And so I I got back to Butte, and I thought you better just behave yourself and look around, look at the beautiful things, and uh, just start working the program. You know, and then I started doing some different things. One thing about it was when I would do something good, I felt good. When I would do something honest or whatever, it made me feel good. Yeah. I got elated. Uh, one lady gave me change, and she gave me back $20 too much. And I said, no, 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 no. I said, that's too much. And she says, no, it isn't. I says, yes, it is too much. No, it's not. And I says, it is, it is. And so she finally looked and she says, oh my God, thank you so much. You know, yeah. she's been in trouble if she uh, come up $20 short. But after I walked out of there, I just, it's kind of like walking on a cloud. I thought, oh. Yeah, isn't that a beautiful I, thing? In the old days, I would have just uh, kept the 20 and went and got some beer or something. But uh, And that's part of... The recovery process mm -hmm. is, is working on becoming a better person and also appreciating ourselves. Yeah, for you're that right, as well, you're right. You know? Well, my mother, the one other thing I really loved about the program was the honesty part because my mother would just beat the crap out of us if she caught us lying. Yeah. was in South Dakota and with the neighborhood kids there in, in the valley where we were at or the... Uh, we'd go pick strawberries and eat them. Well, finally, strawberries were out of season, and the only thing left was like choke cherries and stuff. And, and she says, don't you dare eat any of those. And I said, okay. Well, there was nothing else to eat when we were out in the woods. and yeah, So yeah. we started eating them, and I got home, and she says, you've been eating them berries. I said, no. Boy, I got a spanking like you couldn't believe. And so I got out of there. And I thought, so today's today's different. 
I said, yeah, I says, how did you know? And she says, a little bird told me. And I said, yeah, right, you know, a little. It was all over my mouth and my <laughs> <laughs> And I didn't believe the bird thing, but you know, whenever I was doing something wrong outside, I'd kind of maybe look around and see if there's any birds. <laughs> and, uh, but like I say, the honesty part of the program and uh, the honesty part was so nice because you told a story, you know, you didn't have to worry about trying to figure it out what you said. Isn't yeah. that amazing? We don't have that thorn in our side. You know? Yeah. You just try to live life simply, you know, and, yeah. and honestly. And that not that the easier, softer way? Yes, and you feel, uh, the, I think one of the better things is that you feel better about yourself. Yes. Alcohol, when I first started, was a great thing. It made me feel good, you know, and all the kids around was drinking it too. But then uh, it got to where it was a depressant. The more I drank, the worse I felt about myself. Yeah, exactly. And I, I got suicidal a few times and uh, failed, but... Uh, you know, this makes you appreciate life a lot more and people. Yeah. I just love to see smiles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they make me smile. They make me feel better. Do you know, yeah. since I've been doing this, that is the common thread, is we've found that the more that we're respectful and responsible and kind and giving, it surrounds us, mm-hmm. and it really is contagious. It's beautiful. Oh, it is. Makes this makes you be happy that you're on this planet. You look at the sky and the stars and the clouds and <clears throat> the mountains and the animals, you know, deer and Absolutely. elk. And, yeah. and like I say, people, you know, just males, females, whatever. When they give you a big smile, it just it's contagious and it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Makes you feel better about where you are. Yeah. And then I learned another thing in a meeting. They says, uh, if you're having a really shitty day, it doesn't have to be that way. You can stop and turn it around. The whole day don't have to be shitty. Right, and, exactly. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. I thought, boy, that's a good thing. That's and, a great message. Yeah, it was a great message for me because I said, oh, wait a minute here. Yeah. I remember staying pissed off for a couple of weeks <laughs> and couldn't figure out any other way other than that. That was normal to me. Mm-hmm. Just hold a grudge and hold it in. Oh, yeah. And that resentment, isn't and isn't that what holding a resentment, mm-hmm. what's the point? It certainly doesn't help me. No, no. It just tears you up inside. Yeah, yeah. so we, we learn to let those things go. Mm-hmm. And uh, just be glad you are, you know, live in the present rather than the future and the, and the past. I used to let uh, my bills just override me, you know, my taxes and stuff. And say, How am I going to get this? How am I going to get this? And somebody told me, he says, well, why don't you just let go and let God? And I thought, yeah, there ain't really nothing I can do. And I just raised my hand and said, God, would you help me with this one? And, you know, the next thing I know, it was over with. Yeah, it's that internal... Yeah. And in, in how we feel like that internal bubble, that internal, like, uh, boil over. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, like me, it got, just got to be, uh, got to be depressing and overwhelming. 
But uh, after I could let go of it, and that was a wonderful thing for me because I let go of a lot of problems now like that. So for the strongest point for you um, to maintain recovery, um, what's been the biggest impact? What, what has helped you the most? Um, well, the honesty part of the program, you know, uh, that's been wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. You mean that being able to open up and talk about mm-hmm. how you feel and, and, and seeking out that support? Right, and, and the people that you listen to, you can believe. You know, and a very few of them are lying in those meetings. It's, and, and it's like a big family. It, you all hold hands and say the Lord's Prayer after the meeting. Uh, some I've felt that going through the hands, you know, the... Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And, the and that was our theme today was unity. Mm-hmm. But uh, finally I started doing, you know, thinking about myself too, that, you know, I... Uh, I started to go out to Fairmont one day, and there was these two ladies I was trying to help that were drinking, and they would sober up for a few days. And I thought I should take one of them out there, you know. And I, so I started out to Fairmont, and I got out to rock. I think, well, why would I want to go out here all by myself? Yeah, yeah. You know, that's not fair. And I thought no, I was going to turn around and come back, and I thought, no, I'll go a little further. Went a little further, and I said, oh, this is not right. And then I got to thinking, you know, you're worth it. So I went out there by myself and I felt kind of guilty, but at least it was a good lesson for me to realize that I was worth it. And I didn't didn't have to be, you know, helping somebody else and then they would just keep drinking and... Yeah, whenever you do that, you always bring one or two other people, right? When when you go to, well, we call it 12-step. Yeah. The twelve stepper and and uh, have a, a few people go to to help somebody. It's a it's a little more convincing as well when you when yeah. you see a few people in recovery and oh, that God. strength in numbers. Yeah, I just love it when I see someone new come into the program, and you know it's it's really sad when they go back out because there's just some wonderful people, but ones that stay in and grow. Oh, my God, it just makes me feel so good. It's beautiful. And it's understanding. There was uh, one guy that uh, used to come to the meetings. He's always bitching about something, you know. And I thought, oh, my God, if I'd known he was going to come here, I wouldn't have come. Or maybe I could go to the bathroom and just leave. Yeah. And... uh, about the fourth day or the fifth time, the fourth meeting or fifth meeting, weekly one, he was there again, and somehow or another I started listening to him. And I thought, no wonder he is so messed up. And actually, he was one of the biggest things in my life, actually, made me not worry about taking uh, inventory and don't make decisions about people that if you don't know what they are, you know. And uh, that was one of the greatest things that happened to me, too, was there was another guy that worked downstairs, and he was just kind of a short little thing, and, you know, it's just not like, ugh, yeah. what, a, what a panty waist they'd call him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he would work downstairs and work downstairs, and 
And I thought, oh, what a worthless thing he is. And um, he got cancer. Uh. And he stayed down there working every day and acted like nothing was happening. His family, his wife and his kids, they were crying, they were falling apart. And he just maintained and walked through it all. And finally he was gone, but he... When he went to meetings, he needed to express what was going on. Yeah. Right? And he needed that support in the, in the ear. You know, he mm. needed people to just listen and support him. Right. So I, I think, um, you know, recovery on the road, it's been quite a journey for me. And, and I appreciate, you know, you taking the time with me and with the listeners to share your message mm. um, and your strength and your hope. And it's been wonderful spending time with you. Is there any last um, bit of um, wisdom you'd like to share? No, it's been wonderful seeing you, you know, and watching what you're doing. And you just seem like a very, very nice person. Thank you. And beautiful smile. Thank you. <laughs> I can tell she's not lying to me. Yeah. You know? yeah. But well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. And thank you for listening to Recovery on the Road. My website is ontherightroad.org. Take care.